If I lived only for myself, I should die. But because I live for you, so live I. That's a short poem I composed on my way to work. Over the course of this podcast, I may include several compositions of my own and some from others. Poems, quotations, lyrics, and the like. These are intended to sum up or typify the content of the episode succinctly and with beauty. Some, like the poem shared today, might not make total sense initially or without context. In these cases, I'll try to furnish the listener with further explanation. The topic I've chosen for today, this first episode of My Side of Maple Mountain, isn't the one I initially thought to pick. After selecting several possible ideas, I felt impressed by the spirit to choose this one, and to title it as I have. This, I think, is because this one idea is at the center, quite literally, of the departure from the regular life and the captivation or pull of the other life. It is where that one ends, and it is where this one begins. I believe it is the most important thing I have to share. All that follows will be appendages to this, and if we are not agreed here, we will not see eye to eye hereafter. I had an experience where I woke up with a stomachache. Although at that time I normally dressed, ate some breakfast, and went to the gym, I considered sleeping in to recoup my health and to get feeling better. Then I thought of my friend Tanner, who I had a commitment to pick up and bring to the gym. I knew it would help him out, and that I was the only way he could go to the gym. I thought, I owe it to him. You know, I'm, I'm coming. Then I told him over text, I owe it to you. I'm coming. The stomachache persisted. After a while, I prayed that the stomachache might go away. We got to the gym. He started warming up, and I went and laid down on the couch. And I told him, when you're done warming up, text me, and I'll come spot you. You can do all the, all the reps that you can. I then closed my eyes and dozed for a few minutes. Then something miraculous happened. In the same moment that Tanner texted me that he was ready for a spot, that I was ready to leave the lobby and go back to the weight room and start helping him lift weights, the pain vanished. It went away completely. The act of putting another's needs before your own fulfills and gives meaning to your own. I wasn't just there. I wasn't just getting up that morning for myself. I was getting up that morning for him. I wasn't just pursuing my own good, but pursuing the good of another. And then my own health became an instrument of that. It, it became functional, a necessary part. And it's here where I, I thought of a scripture. It's Proverbs 3, uh, 5 through 10 is what I'll read. This says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the fr first fruits of all thine increase. 
so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I think this is a recipe as, as we are not wise in our own eyes, as we fear the Lord, as we depart from evil, we are led to put something before ourselves, something before the life of the body, or rather something before raiment as the purpose of the life of the body. It's, that, it's this idea that our life is about more than just ourself and more than just our own qualification for heaven, even. But that we are playing a role here. That we are forming part in a process. And that this process is beautiful or this process is eternal or this process is perpetual. And that as, as we use the, the means that we have, as we use our healthy bodies, as we, as we use our healthy minds, as we use our healthy spirits, it's going somewhere other than just ourselves. I mean, think about what a navel is. It's, it's you know, what basically feeds you when you're in your mother's womb and, and gives you sustenance for that time. And I think when our hearts and minds are li- and lives are pointed towards that serving of others' needs, and this especially with future generations, I believe that this is the first part of piercing the veil, the sincere desire for the welfare of others. And this must be done in a manner that is consistent with God's law and God's will. Because if it's against God's word, then it will only turn out for the ill of others. You know, we could have well intentions, but the actions that we're actually doing are actually hurting others even when we're trying to help them. But when we have a sincere desire for the welfare of others in the manner of welfare that God cares about, which is oftentimes spiritual, and we go about fulfilling or adding to that welfare, that's when we begin to cross over. And just like Maple Mountain, or, you know, just like my side of the mountain, where the little boy runs away from home, we have stories of people running away from home all over in the scriptures. I mean, think of Lehi and Nephi. Think of the brother of Jared. Think of, think of Moses and the children of Israel. And there are many more. But I, I, I think you'll find many times when God sends people on a mission, whether that's physically leaving their hometown, in, as in the case of Lehi and Nephi or the brother of Jared, or even if it's just a, a mission, a specific thing that they're supposed to do. I think many times you'll find that they, they pray for, with real intent for the welfare of other people. Like Lehi prayed with real intent for the welfare of his people. And I don't have time now to go over these references. Perhaps if I make a revision of this audio, I'll do so. But Nephi also prayed with real intent. Enos prayed with real intent. The brothers, namesake of Nephi and Lehi, they prayed with real intent for the welfare of their people. Then we get to the time of Jesus and the Lord's intercessory prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane is one of the most sacred and sublime passages of scripture that we have. And it was just before the moment 
of his most celestial capacity, the, the atonement of Jesus Christ. I believe that this real intent for the welfare of others serves as an eternal prerequisite and that no man can be used by God except he wants to help others. That's where it all begins, to desire to be of service. And that, I believe, is the beginning of the gate into the celestial. There is no other gate to the celestial than this, than following the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider the Book of Mormon. I don't think you can count how many prophets, just and holy men, prayed for the welfare of their own seed and for the seed of their brother, their brethren, the Lamanites, and for the Gentiles in the last day and for the house of Israel. The only reason we have that is because they entered in at that celestial gate. And if we are to go about things in this way, we need to cease to go about things in the way of man. Back to that scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Higher in his way are his ways. And that means that what we might see going on around us, the ways of man, those ways that things can be done, these are not necessarily the right way. In my view, we are all like little boys that are growing up in homes that have varying traditions. People have opinions all around us, and there are so many of them that we can't even see them. They're so ingrained into the way that we've been brought up that it's like a fish in its own water or like, like air to us. We don't even recognize it anymore because we just spend so much time in it. But I believe that the gods also have traditions, or rather that in the celestial kingdom there are also traditions. But these are traditions of a different kind. They're not just arbitrary. They're not just accident or happenstance. They're not just preferential, but they're purposeful. They're functional. And one of the central, or perhaps the beginning one of these, is the prioritization of the welfare and the happiness of others that leads to perpetuity, that, that leads to, to eternity. And there is no other means than this to experience perpetuity. I have a testimony of Jesus Christ. I know he lives. And these, I, these things I speak in my weakness, in my failings, in, in my imperfection, but they are honest and true. And I am sincere in saying them. I seek to speak with the tongue of angels, as is written in 2 Nephi 32. And angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost and angels testify of Christ, and so will I. This, my side of Maple Mountain, is, is what I see as an opportunity to declare the things that have been taught to me by the power of the Holy Ghost that I think are of value, that I think are of worth to others, and to myself, and to my future family, my, my future marriage, 
I think that it means it, because, but because I live for you, so live I. That's what's beginning right now with this podcast for me. It's an opportunity to actually have a project where I'm um, putting my thoughts out there and that they're being of use to somebody, anybody. And, and I would think myself ungrateful for knowing some of these things and not sharing them. And so I must share them. And I do it for the glory of God because I love him. And because I love others. I'll try to not say anything in this podcast or show, whatever this is, that I don't live or strive to live myself. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Redeemer. And he has saved me from the clutches of evil and from the depths of hell. And so I will praise his name forever. And my tongue will speak in worship of him. Thank you for listening. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.